Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here with my co-host, Doug Thornton, on the Doug and Dave Intel Report, as sponsored by the Common Sense Show. And we have Mondo Gonzalez with us. And we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff. Apophis, a new balloon flying over America. Well, what's that all about? And then we're going to be talking about the red heifer. And uh, this should be really, really interesting. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. And uh, we are, I'm fixing my sound here as we go. Okay, we're set. But ladies and gentlemen, quickly, we have a great sponsor. You know, the Dodd-Frank Law 2010 tells the banks they can steal your money legally. You're an unsecured creditor. So why would you leave it there? I'm going to introduce you to Noble Gold. I've been a customer of theirs for six years, been advertising for six and a half, going on seven. And I got to tell you, they're the best that there is. Uh, they'll get your retirement out of the bank. They'll back it up with gold and you'll own it. The bank can't take it. And they'll replace a lot of your soon to be worthless cash with precious metals. So give them a call. They're very low pressure. You'll have to actually close your own deal. i got to warn you about that. That shocked me the first time I dealt with them. So go to DaveHodgesGold.com. That's DaveHodgesGold.com, or you can call them 877-646-5347, or you can make J.P. Morgan a little richer. Your choice. Anyway, uh, gentlemen, um, I'd like to know a little bit more about Apophis. Okay, I, I did a, a show on uh, with Jamie Walden, and it was really, really good. Jamie was so knowledgeable. But when I was done and I listened to it, I said, there's probably 15 things that I want to know that I don't. So, uh, Mondo, tell us what Apophis is and should we be concerned? Well, I think uh, I did watch the, the program with Jamie, and, and he did a fabulous job. And, um, the you know, we can clear up something right now that, it is pronounced Apophis and not Apophis. Now, how do we know that? Well, you can look it up in the Greek, which, you know, I did uh, a couple years ago. And uh, in Greek, it's very clear. It's an Omicron, not an Omega. So we know that it is Apophis. So don't let anybody shame you in saying Apophis. <laughs> so I got it. Start there. He was also a character on Stargate SG-1. That's how I know how to say it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so th the thing about it is, um, you know, th this particular 1200 foot asteroid was discovered in, in June of 2004. And so, which isn't really that long ago. I mean, we're coming up on 20 years. And what's interesting about this is if you look, it, it, you know, you can go on Wikipedia, you can see some of the basic information there. And originally when it first came out, the, uh, the reports were like, oh man, this thing is going to strike the Earth uh, in in 2029. Now, even in 2004, they 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 did some other orbital uh, calculations on it, and because uh, it was still pretty far away. I mean, but it came back in 2013. It's going to be in 29. There's a 2036. There's a 2052. There's a 2067. So this thing's not going away by any means. But what's interesting to me is, you know. Uh, I think none of us here in, in this podcast uh, would say, oh, you know what? NASA is completely transparent. You know, they're going to tell us the truth. So everything we see that they give, all the information, the orbital information and trajectories that they give is 100 percent trustworthy. Nothing to see here. I mean, we know better than that because we just we just know how government works. But the the 2029 uh, flyby April, Friday, the 13th, April 2029. They um, it's it's 
it's scheduled to be right around 20,000 miles away. Uh, and that's what they admit is there. Now, for, for, for the sake of, of, of scale, uh, the moon orbits around 250,000 miles. So it's less than a tenth of the distance, uh, between us and the moon. Also, it's, it's closer. It will come closer than the James Webb telescope is. The James Webb telescope is, you know, at about a, a, a million miles at one of the Lagrange points, Lagrange one, I believe. And, uh, so you think about that. That's pretty amazing that, um, the the uh the things coming in closer than many of the satellites are so that being the case i find it fascinating that um i forgot what what's the what's the astronomer's name i forget he's uh neil degrasse tyson when when he when he came out he commented on this years ago and it was one of those rare times that you see somebody that is well known uh a well-known i guess figure uh, I wouldn't say that he's like a, a bastion of, of free truth or anything, but he said, hey, look, you know, when you're dealing with something like this, um, yes, we can, we can look at, uh, orbital, uh, trajectories. Uh, that's, that's pretty straightforward computer models, but the fact that it's scheduled to be or predicted to be, you know, under 20,000 miles, um, over the next, you know, um, at that time, it was about 15 years. He goes, there's no way that anybody can guarantee that there isn't going to be some potential um, gravitational perturbations or influences on this thing within that range of error. Now, they might come out and say it, but he so here here's a guy that's, again, I would say he's a typical NASA guy. He's, he's not anti-NASA. He's, he's not coming out with conspiracy and he acknowledged very clearly that there's no way they can guarantee that it would not, uh, you know, come closer to the, to, than the, uh, the, the plus or minus error margin. Now, so there, there's the scientific side of it, which is that. And then, of course, you know, as Jamie mentioned, and I, I actually interviewed Tom Horn on this a couple times. And so, I mean, we could we could talk about some of the things that Tom said as well. Okay. Um, do you think that we could get a direct hit. Well, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely think again, based on, and this isn't my word. So people say, well, who's Mondale? You know, well, I'm, I'm nobody, but again, based on a professional astronomer, again, uh, Niels deGrasse Tyson, he said very clearly that this, there's no way that we can guarantee that it won't. Would people be able to see this? The amateur astronomers, would oh, they be absolutely. able to see this? Yep. In fact, yeah, so- in fact, right now, um, it, it you know, the way that these things, depending on the time of the year, uh, I actually was tracking it last year and uh, many am- amateur astronomers, you know, as you know, Doug, you know, um, I have a pretty nice observatory and take pictures of, of, of the heavens. And so, uh, but many other amateur astronomers have taken pictures uh, of it. Now, granted, when you look at it, you're going to go, what am I looking at? And it's just this little, little tiny dot. But when it does come close, when it gets close to that under 20,000, the size, um, in, in astronomical, uh, you know, parlance, it, um, it'll be a, a magnitude three, which is very, very bright. I mean, on a typical dark sky site, uh, our eyes can see to magnitude six, which is really, really dim. So the brightest star in the sky is, is, is negative 1.3. So the, when you think about a three, clearly naked eye, people will see this. As a naked eye object, no problem. We'll be able to, to see and notice that it's going across and it's something different than the, than the starry background. So absolutely people will see it. Uh, naked eye, not, you don't even need binoculars. Binoculars will help, but they'll be able to see it. So as I'm reading this on NASA, uh, never a straight answer, you know, it, I, I'm looking at the way they're talking about it and I, I enjoy this comment where they say that it's going to be coming uncomfortably close uh, to geosync orbit. Is there anything that could potentially change the trajectory to make it come closer? And not only that, is this going to mess with the satellites that are in geosync orbit? I, I think the answer is yes to both of those. Again, this thing this thing has several orbits before it comes back you know, in, into this, this, this cross pattern. And 
again, if you go to, um, again, I'm not saying Wikipedia is right about everything, but in some things they have at least some data. If people go to Wikipedia, if they type in Apophis 99942, which is the asteroid number that, that has been assigned, they'll find this and they'll be able to see some of the visuals of the orbit as it, as it's making its way around and it's, it's going inside. I mean, it's, it's going to be coming inside the Earth's orbit. That's how it'll be on the inside of between us and the sun. So it's going to be coming from the outside, crossing our orbital uh, plane and coming on the inside and then again, making its way back out. So, but it has several more orbits in its, in its, again, in its full for overrun before it, it comes to us. So that, that's what, um, Tyson was saying is that there's so many opportunities for these minor adjustments or, I mean, this thing's 1200 feet. It, there, there's no way they can guarantee that it doesn't hit another asteroid, that another asteroid doesn't hit it. I mean, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's making its way, as we know, in and out. And, uh, uh, especially as we think about, you know, the asteroid belt. So again, there's no way they can guarantee that something, what you just described doesn't hit it. Now, what about Earth, Earth, uh, satellites? Well, this thing's 1200 feet. So I imagine, that if it was to come into contact with, you know, the the ten thousand space the the ten thousand human objects, satellites, and other things that are orbiting around the Earth right now, and we know that that uh, fifty five hundred Starlink satellites alone, um, as well as the other space junk up there. Now, 1,200 feet, you know, the average satellite that you know Starlink, you know, there may be at the most ten feet, size of a refrigerator. And uh, I wouldn't imagine that that would uh, uh, adjust the orbit too much because 1,200 feet against a refrigerator, you know, I mean, I think it's going to just get squashed. But um, could there be, again, other larger asteroids that affect it? And again, you know, but when you're in space, it doesn't take much. So if you hit something, I think we think about like the DART mission project that NASA did where they sent a – they actually sent a, a smaller object to crash into an asteroid to see if it would cause any adjustment in its orbit. And you know what? It did. It absolutely did. So, again, what you're saying is absolutely true that any of these little things 100% could adjust the orbit. And, again, like like what, what Dave just said, Dave, uncomfortably close. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, uncomfortably close, but I'm worried if we send something to hit it, it'll break into a thousand pieces and be more damaging. That is 100% true. And it it's interesting now that uh, they had another program, uh, the OSIRIS program, that they have now um, redirected its its uh, mission. It was going to another uh, object in, in you know out there, uh, uh, you know, low Earth or you know extra Earth object. And now they have redirected the Osiris project to head towards Apophis. So you think, okay, what 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 are they doing here? Um, and of course, like you said, we never get a straight answer. You know, they'll be transparent about what they want to and whatever. You know, if they want to claim national security, blah blah blah. Um, we, we don't really know. But what we do know is that they have their eyes on it. That is very very uh, absolutely yeah. undisputed. They're, yeah, they're admitting that. And you know what NASA stands for, Mondo? Never a straight answer. I mean, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so Apophis is said to be peanut shaped. And I'm looking, I'm actually on science.nasa.gov at a digital rendering of it. I could see the orbital path, the close approach, the essential statistics on it. And I, I just wonder, is, would it, has it ever, appeared that this thing could come so close national security that we would try to actually take it off its flight path. If, you know, we say the calculations are wrong, here's the latest calculations. This thing's going to make a glancing blow and, you know, hit, you know, uh, you all Harari right in his house. So we're going to, you know, hit it with something. Uh, it'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Um, so we're going to hit it and deflect it. Would it actually damage something like this? I don't know what all it's made out of, and I don't know what its debris field is that's dragging behind it, Mondo. But if they actually tried to hit this thing with a rocket, um, 
what would that what would that do to it? Yeah. Well, it, again, the if we go back what I mentioned earlier, it depends. Um, the Dart project, you know, was a you know a couple of years ago, and you know, Dart stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test, and so what they did is exactly what you were describing, where they were looking to deflect the the asteroid's trajectory through uh, the impact of the, the of the spacecraft. So it wasn't a bomb, you know, it wasn't a bomb. It just simply was, hey, it's way out there. Um, you know, let's see what we can do. And uh, you know, again, this was this was going back to September of twenty two, but it was successful. So what they were able to do is, I mean, again, the the the, the actual Dart, um, you know, the Dart uh, spacecraft was they crashed into it. I mean, it, you know, this thing is going at twenty thirty thousand miles an hour, and just through kinetic energy, they were thinking, well, can we crash in there? and see if it actually does anything, you know, to this. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. You know, 530 foot, you know, you know, asteroid. And so what they when they did it, it was successful. They hit it. And at first, you know, first week or so. They're like, well, we really don't notice anything, which isn't surprising because as you know, you know, if you're on a ship, you put in a heading and you adjust the heading by, you know, a half a degree. Well, in the first two miles, three miles, whatever, you're not going to see much, you know, but go a month later and that half a degree is going to make a big difference, you know, as, as the, as your uh, trajectory goes. So after a few months, they were able to say, oh, wow. This really did work. So that being the case, 
what I what 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 we were what we're talking about here is will they will they come to the point of of um, in the sense of you know um, what's the word I'm looking for just in in will they put a bomb on it. I, I don't think so, because exactly what you described, it, you know, we, we've seen all the movies, you know, they bomb it, it becomes a million pieces. Now it's going to hit everywhere. So I think with the Dart project, they learned, hey, all we need is to address this farther out. It doesn't need to be really close to the Earth. They can send this, the, 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 these, these, uh, spacecraft way out early or far away, uh, in its, in its orbit. And we can adjust it. Now, let's be honest. Um, there's some, um, none of these, these efforts are perfected. So, I mean, they can run the models. I'm not saying they can't run the models, but I, I would tend to think that they would try to redo what they did with the dart and not blow so it up. So it's just a scientific method until yep. it works. All right. Well, so if, if you mean to tell me that Bruce Willis can't be, you know, airlifted out there to implant a nuclear device, I will ask you, is there ever a practical application where we would actually land astronauts on something approaching a vector of 20 to 30,000 miles an hour? I mean, it, that's pure science fiction, obviously, right? Well, you know, <clears throat> we've obviously been able to land craft on these things, which are going super fast. And so I don't think there's, I don't think there's a technical problem there, but but what you just said, when you're trying to put humans involved, hey, look, we can't even get back to the moon right now. So, and the moon is pretty regular uh, in its orbital predictivity. So, trying to get uh, humans to be on a, on a craft and, and to chase down an asteroid, I'm not saying that we couldn't get there because obviously we have craft, but to make to have humans do it, I, I think that that's decades out. Uh, if it's even, uh, I mean, decades or more that it would even be realistic to do something like that. Well, in I, terms of a risk factor, Dave, we, we see what's going on with politics 2029. This thing's supposed to come as close as possible to us. And then it's going to come even closer from what I'm reading in 2036. It's, it's either going to be the same trajectory or very similar in 2036. Do you guys think that there is something prophetic around these these dates that's going to be occurring soon where like maybe this is wormwood i mean we've all heard these speculations and conjectures but you know mondo i'd like to know your opinion on it and dave me and you follow the politics every day everything is only building and building and building to that climatic um you know time when i don't know the antichrist is right around the corner does this thing look like it's it's paralleling right there with uh, what's coming out of Revelation? Revelation, you mean with the seven years? Well, I mean, Wormwood. The, uh, 20, star 2029, seven. then 2036, seven years. That does match up to tribulation. So I'll give you the background of, uh, and, and Jamie did this uh, in, in the previous one, and we can kind of revisit some of that because... When I interviewed Tom, so let's give the background here. Um, you know, um, Tom Horn, uh, you know, the late Tom Horn, great guy. Um, he wrote two books, uh, you know, six, seven years ago, Wormwood and the Messenger. And, uh, they were both in reference to a vision that he had. Now, let me say something about Tom. Uh, all my interactions with Tom, again, I interviewed him many times, uh, at Prophecy Watchers. And Tom is 100% a person of integrity. I don't believe that he's a liar. I don't believe that he, he made this up by any means. Now I can't vet the, I can't vet another person's vision. I wasn't there. All I can do is, is share what he said publicly, not only in the books, but also in the interviews that we did. And so again, just, just because I can't vet his information, um, it doesn't mean that I don't see him as a person of integrity. Okay, so let's start there. But what he shared was um, this vision that he had uh, many, many years ago. And in the vision that he had, it was waking in, uh, in the middle of the night. And he sees um, this asteroid, you know, this basically what we would understand as, you know, as, as, a, as a, a meteor, a meteor coming down 
and becoming a, you know, really what we, we talk about, uh, a boli that, that comes down and actually comes into Earth's atmosphere. And so he sees this. And then he see, as he sees it hit the Earth, um, you know, pretty terrible, dramatic effects. I mean, you name it. And then what he said he heard was the word Apophis. And he's like, well, isn't that like you mentioned earlier, Dave, isn't that some Egyptian chaos god or something? So he didn't, he didn't understand exactly what, what the connection was. And so, but what he knew in the vision was he connected what he saw with what we understand in Revelation chapter eight as it relates to, you know, this, this star mountain coming out of the sky called wormwood, which means bitter. So he begins to look and then, uh, he comes to find out that, oh, lo and behold, look at that. There was an asteroid again that was discovered in June of 04 that was named Apophis, you know, 99942. That's the number. So he starts looking at the, the trajectories and the, the initial, you know, orbital, uh, predictions and he sees, oh, wow, the closest one is going to be April 13th, 2029. So then as he's thinking about this, he, so <clears throat> one of the times I was interviewing him and I said, Hey, Tom, let me ask you this question. I go in the, in the vision that, that you got. Did the Lord tell you a date? And he's like, you know, no, the Lord did not give me a date. And so I, I laid at this time, I had laid out before him and I was in, in, in uh, Josh Peck and I believe Derek Gilbert were there and we were talking about it. And I, I said, Hey, look, here are these other orbital, like what you just mentioned, um, Dave, these other dates. And I said, I know you guys have been talking and, and, and he admitted it that he was assuming that it was the 2029 date. And so uh, as they were talking, um, they, they were discussing that they felt that the chronology of the book of Revelation was in Revelation 8, 3, that Apophis was going to be right around the midpoint of the tribulation. Now, I will just say this. Um, there's no way to determine that in the chronology of the book of Revelation. Uh, but that's what they felt. And so then, you know, April 13th, uh, you know, he was doing, and then in another interview he was doing with Tom, or with Derek, Derek was interviewing him, uh, when Derek was hosting their program. And Derek said, well, hey, if, if it's in the midpoint of the tribulation, and we go back three and a half years, it comes to October of 2025. And so, what, what, so a lot of the premise of the book was, could Apophis be uh, its arrival in 2029, be the wormwood of Revelation 8.3, and then if that's true, could that be in the midpoint? And if that's true, could that then show that 2025 in the fall would be the arrival of the beginning of the tribulation period? And so in, in that chronology, I had asked him, well, um, what if that is incorrect? And could it theoretically be the 2036, seven years later. And he said, you know what, Mondo? Um, the Lord never gave me a date. So I guess hypothetically it could be the 2036 um, uh, arrival. The next one after that is, is actually pretty far away. Um, the You got 2036, 2051, 2066, and then it, it goes on and on. Um, so... When we think about the prophetic time frame, I mean, again, I don't predict dates, but when we look at what the UN, what they're signaling, right, what they're telegraphing as it relates to their own wishes, which is Agenda 2030, um, a lot of people, when they saw the Agenda 2030, they were thinking, oh, okay, that's going to be it, the Lord's going to come back, or it's right around the midpoint of the tribulation, and blah, blah, blah. And so you have these dates floating around for sure. But if you were to go to 2036 and you were to go three and a half years before that, well, now we're in late 2030, 
2032. So prophetically speaking, I find it interesting. It's not date setting, but I find it interesting that these very close encounters of the asteroid Apophis um, does align at least with some of the, if we're going to say it aligns with the UN's Agenda 2030 wishful thinking. Interesting. Do you think the WEF uh, plans for the Great Reset coincide with Apophis? Yeah, it seems, again, very clearly. Now, what we know about them is, you know, even going back to 2015, you know, when they set out, that was their original 2030. I mean, they had the 2021, they had, they had you know, all going all the way back. Very wishful thinking. And what we've seen is most of their um, official dates of doom, of the world ending, climate change, you know, catastrophes have all come and gone. So will the 2030 be the same thing? Uh, I don't know. Um, but what we do know is this right now, especially from you know, 2020, and we know what happened in 2020 mm. without saying it. Um, we know that the momentum that they had from 2015, the Paris climate, et cetera, um, their, their momentum to fulfill the 23rd, 2030, you know, sustainable development goals has skyrocketed and they are on a hyper track that they are not going to easily relinquish you know but something interesting happened with jp morgan and i'm not sure what to make of it i reported on this uh uh yesterday jp morgan is withdrawn from the ca 100 plus which is you know the climate change program that so many nations assigned on to and they said we have 40 full-time personnel that will monitor our sustainable developmental policies but basically what they're saying is we ain't going along with you un and world health organization because we ain't going broke, and they even admitted it was because of the backlash against ESG. Uh, and and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, you know, rattlesnakes don't commit suicide. I'm wondering if these other Fortune 500 companies are going to pull out of this. Is kind of a sidebar to what you just said. Yeah, and I think that this is the, this is the nature of the game. Um, we know that the WF, the UN, World Health Organization, all these other, I mean, groups, you know, you know, CFR, Bilderbergers, you name it, Club of Rome, all the Good Club, all all these people, um, you know, so I, I'm not surprised that you're going to have some resistors, but at the end of the day, uh, what I see happening is whether it's BlackRock or Vanguard, you know, uh, these other trillion dollar companies. Um, asset management companies, uh, they, they are able to see the difficulties of the climate agenda. And again, the, the, the negative, the net loss. But what happens on some of these? I think that they make deals. And I think most of the politicians that we have, they recognize it, but they're just bought off. It's almost as if that you have this unlimited amount of money. And as we know, I mean, think about the, the, you know, the $100 billion that we've sent to Ukraine, how much is actually there? Um, and, and has it been kicked back to people? So, and again, we're willing, as we know, the United States is willing simply to go in debt on it. And so it's like, oh, big deal, $90 billion. Well, you know what, $90 billion to Ukraine? We could have built the wall already. I mean, three times over, you know, 100 feet high on the southern border. But so they're willing to go into debt for Ukraine, but not to secure a border. So all I'm saying is that the big picture of these things, I, I think JB, uh, JP Morgan and others, that would back out. I would be surprised if they continued in that uh, because they're such globalists and they're in, they're in, infiltrated with WEF personnel. Now, again, could, we don't know all the situation, but if, if it's simply about profits, they'll be like, well, what do you need? We'll, we'll, we'll get you. <laughs> we'll make sure your books are cooked to such a degree that if it's simply about profit margins, um, I think they'll buy their way and bribe their way in to control, which is what, again, they've been doing, as we know, in every area, especially elections and, and politicians. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Do you think there's anything occultic with the the nomenclature, the 99942? Obviously, you know, it could be the invert of three sixes and numerology. People pay a lot of attention to, to numbers. Uh, and then, obviously, 2029 um, with it being its closest approach date to us, 
Do you ever find anything numerology based with that? Anything that would be leading a cultic? Well, you know, I, I can't say that I have found anything specific and I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Uh, I just haven't seen it, but I think that what you just mentioned is a very interesting, you know, again, upside down 666. But uh, what we do know is this, that NASA has always been consistent in in having, I'm not saying every last NASA employee is an occultist, okay, that that would be ridiculous to say. But there's no doubt that they that they have occultic tendencies 100%. People can go find that everywhere else. Um, I also find it interesting that what we see is, again, you know, who's who's picking these names? These names are always, again, why the Egyptian god of chaos? I mean, couldn't they just name it Asteroid John 99932? <laughs> okay. But so – there's no doubt somebody in there somewhere is providing influence to all these different names. It's really fascinating. Again, even 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 the name of of the other uh, mission that is is going there. Um, uh, the Osiris Apex. Yeah, the Osiris Apex mission. You're like, again, what, what are we dealing? What are we doing here? You know, we're, we're talking about these these. Um, <clears throat> why does it have to be Osiris, the god of the dead of the Egyptian underworld? I mean, so th- these are the things that we're talking about where uh, it's crystal clear that th- these things aren't named haphazardly and, and there is an agenda there uh, that is-, true. is meant to give honor. That's true. They, I learned from Richard Hoagland years ago at conferences we went to, private briefings, mm-hmm. that uh, NASA was very much into numerology and so forth. And um, he used to mail me stuff. Um, and it went to my mom's address, um, cause I didn't want it to go to a PO box and my mom's address was 999. And he used to give me a bad time about that. So I've heard the same thing before. Um, he, um, he told me that they're into what's called sacred geometry. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and he said it stems from the fact that on every planetary body, including stars, the center of origin of, of power is at 19.5 degrees latitude. And he said that's the emanation of the, uh, uh, earthquake centers in the, in the South Pacific and so forth. And he said when stars supernova, that it all starts at 19.5 and spreads from there. Are you familiar with this at all? Oh, I, I used to hear him talk about this on Art Bell back in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and I, and I wanted to just make sure I have this, the dimensions of Apophis correctly. Did you say 530 feet long? It's, it's actually 1200 feet. That's, it's huge. That's, I mean, it is, I mean, think about the Eiffel Tower. I think the Eiffel Tower is around 1200 feet. So, I mean, it, th- this is one of the largest, you know, uh, potentially, you know, near Earth asteroid that, that's around. I mean, this thing is not small. So we're looking at an extinction level event, particularly if it hits the ocean. Well, for, there's, there's no, I mean, you know, a lot of it's kinetic energy as well. If, would it extinguish the whole world? No, I don't think it would extinguish the whole world, but what often happens, and this is what's consistent, and this is what Tom Horn saw, is when these things come into orbit, oftentimes they break apart on their own. And so then yeah. you have 50 objects. That begin, and as we, as we know, I mean, think about the, the, the Earth's circumference, you know, um, is 25,000 miles, right? It's all the way around. And, you know, the diameter's, you know, roughly, you know, what, 7,000 miles. So think about that. These things are going at 40,000 miles an hour. They split up. I mean, it could come in here at a certain location, but if it breaks up, now all of a sudden it's covering half of one hemisphere. So there's no there there the ability for it to break up and affect massive amounts of of area around the Earth is very feasible and, and easy. And when you look at what is happening in Revelation eight, this is what you see happening. You see uh, it landing in multiple areas and and contaminating multiple things. Some in the ocean, some in the waters. Again, it makes things bitter. Um, does it, does it land and cause a, 
a like a volcanic dust cloud, which is kind of what you're describing. And we see, you know, the, the the sun is later darkened by a third, by a third, by a third. So a lot of the imagery that you have in the in the book of Revelation, I think, is very literal. But it's it's we don't know exactly how it's going to come. And John, this is what just John's his perspective is. But it does cause a massive amount of of corruption, almost in in one sense too, a biological type corruption because it's it's bitter it's causing poisonous things to be to be in the water and all the waterways so that you know when when nasa's been doing a lot of study in the last 20 years on you know you can get a phd in astrobiology because they're looking at europa you know uh one of the moons of jupiter they're looking for life they're desperate to find life even on mars you know, we, they've had very as many false, um, you know, the, the, the boy crying wolf. Oh, we found life. We found microbes. And then, you know, a few months later, oh, I guess we were wrong. But they're desperate to find microbes. And could it be that God allows, you know, this particular uh, or an asteroid of some type, whether it's Apophis or not, we know it's going to happen. It's in the scripture and comes down and provides a level of poison somehow on the earth. That is 100 percent guaranteed. Um, you, you, think it's, you think it's biological? You think it's biological then? Yeah, I think that there is there's some level of biological component. Well, I, and I guess you know, I guess I don't need to commit myself fully to that. In that, um, all we know is that it poisons. So could that be a chemical poison? Yeah, it could be. I mean, we just know that yeah, I, it, it does a poison. I, I I speculate that maybe it's the the makeup of whatever alloy or, or you know debris dust that's on it. And not only that, but once it penetrates geosync, what about what it will pull with it down as well? Right. Absolutely. Yep. Um, do we know if this has a, a, a trailing tail on it? Normally asteroids in, are unlike comets. Um, I mean, if there is, it's not even photographical. You know, when you photograph asteroids, you don't see, you know, there's always going to be, you know, dust out there in, in, in space so you might see a little bit of that but nothing like what we see as a comet so let me ask you a, a question then give me give me from your perspective 2028 do you think we'll get a briefing from the joint chiefs from the president whoever it is god willing we have a president then um <laughs> and it's not joe biden and they'll have to wheel them out and throw them out of this coffin and manipulate them to make them talk. Um, Lazarus? Have to hi- yeah, we'll have to hire Jeff Dunham to, to you know, move his mouth. Uh, but would we, could we expect some sort of a, a briefing saying, Hey, the potential of this not going the way that we want it has now shifted of certain magnitudes. Shelter in place. Don't panic. Don't run. Don't set the city on fire. Do you think we could see that in our near future, 2028? Well, I mean, you've been in the government. You know more about the government's uh, machinations than I do. But what I would say is that the government is never transparent unless it's forced. So, there's enough amateur astronomers that are out there photographing. And one of the things that, that, that my software does, and again, and I've only been this, I mean, I've studied astronomy for, for 25 years, but in the sense of photographing the heavens, uh, I've had a lot of telescopes, but in the sense of photographing the heavens, um, that's only been a couple of years. But the software that I have, um, it, it's called, uh, astrometry where you are taking an image and you are calculating and the software will do this for you it'll calculate where it'll plate solve the image and it'll and then you can compare you know from night to night the movement of a fast moving object like an asteroid which again um moves far quicker or comet uh, against the background of the stars i mean very obvious i mean i feel bar feel sorry for the flat earthers on this because um, these things absolutely move and it's undeniable. Now, you know, a planet will move against the background stars just much slower, but these things again, night to night clearly. And, but what it'll do 
is it will help calculate the orbital trajectory. So as you know, there, there are some very sophisticated amateur astronomers out there. And the software that we're getting is getting more and more sophisticated and advanced again every few months. You know, we got to update the software. So I think that potentially you're going to have the amateur field saying, hey, this is – if they cry out because of their data, there's enough of them to confirm this, which could force the hand of the government to have to respond to, again, um, the, these very sophisticated uh, amateur astronomers, which, you know – they 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 can't hide behind the advanced technology anymore in the universities or in the governmental agencies or the military agencies because technology is moving so fast that the average guy like myself has stuff that 20 years ago only multi-million dollar agencies had now i mean you could have a nice setup for for 10,000 bucks and so i think going back to your question um they're not going to offer it up freely, but could they be forced to because the amateur community is letting the cat out of the bag? That's probably what would happen. What well, was that the preface of the movie Deep Impact? Yeah, yeah I think no, so. Uh, it's been a while since uh, I've seen it, but yeah, I think one it was of the a, movies a, for sure. Amateur astrologist was the first one to see it. I think it was a kid. A kid was the first one to see it, and he calculated it. But in the government, we have things that are called long-term hazard assessments, so with these types of assessments, you have to predict more or less worst case scenario, design based threat scenarios, and you have, you know, a scalable outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, most likely it'll, it'll just fly by us or, you know, that's number one. Number two, it'll fly by us. It may clip a satellite. We may need to prepare for, you know, something to happen with that. Uh, number three is it may fly straight through geosync orbit and take out 500 satellites to include our, our most, uh, needed satellites for, you know, military operations. That's a really bad day, right? Yeah. And then it, if it comes lower than that and closer than that and it does divide and it strikes the earth, then we got to predict, you know, what part of the earth, um, who needs to be, you know, fleeing from these areas. I mean, you could cause a mobilization of a new world order overnight with evacuations of people. It'd be like, you know, the movie 2012. Mm-hmm. We have the arcs, right? I don't think these movies are made, and this is my conspiratorial mind. I am not saying I'm correct at all when I say this. I don't think some of these movies are just made on a whim. I think some of them have science back behind it. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, it guides it because worst case scenario is they don't tell us until the very last minute. Oh, and, th- and th- again, that, so going back to that question there right now, as we know, the official, the, the official consensus everywhere you find is, you know, we looked at it. We were a little worried, but you know what? Did some more calculations. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Until there is something to see. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm worried about residual effects, though. Uh, I can't believe it's not going to pass close to a planetary body that has solid gravity and not have some break-off pieces anyway. I think there's going to be an impact regardless. It's just how big of an impact. See, I think you nailed it. And that was, people can find it. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, look him up. Again, astrophysicist is well-known, you know, Harvard grad. um, Globalist. Yeah, uh, and, and but look, so I find it fascinating what you just said is that in the beginning, he made the comment that there's no way anybody can guarantee that something what you just described. I mean, think about how busy the solar system is and things that are making their way. I mean, you have a lot of, you have, you know, seven other bodies that are have gravitational effects, plus, again, all the other you know, comets and asteroids and other things. Now, granted, it's a pretty big space. Um, but 
there's a lot of gravitational effects that happen just passing through through again the earth is stuck where it is so it's pretty it's pretty uh, pretty normal and consistent but something on its own passing through you're going to have saturn and jupiter and neptune uranus all these other things that getting through the astro about the, the sun itself so that what you just described is can can they guarantee that there's not going to be some uh, effect on its orbital trajectory and that's what he said no you can't. So, I mean, here's a guy that has, that he's basically a NASA, you know, he's a NASA follower or he's a proponent of NASA. So, so the fact that he would make a relatively contrary statement, uh, is, is honest. Let's just be, he is honest. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying he had an agenda. He's certainly not a conspiracy guy, but he was willing to be honest because he understands physics. Yeah, the the math can't lie for for that part. You know, yep. the trajectory can change, but you can, like you said, with the systems now. I mean, a kid in high school can afford to to do these things and buy them, and then actually measure the impact, or I don't want to say impact, the trajectory, not the impact. Um, well, I I wonder, and what would be the geopolitical fallout, Dave? What do you think the geopolitical fallout would be for a near-Earth object that has the the potential high-risk, potential impact? What could that do for for our uh, our geopolitics? Well, I think it depends how it's handled in the alternative media. Because of the fact that uh, this is trackable by amateur astronomers, the establishment has less control. They'd have to become very authoritarian and make it illegal to report something like this. Um, and even if they controlled all aspects of the Internet, I don't see how you'd keep this quiet. I really don't. Uh, boy, I, I think you have... Here, here, I'll reference a couple of movies. One was called On the Beach, and I'm talking the second version that was made it was, uh, where a nuclear war, submarine is making its way to Australia... But they think that everyone's going to be safe, then this huge radiation cloud's coming is going to kill everybody. And so the government begins to dispense uh, euthanasia tablets and, and injections for suicide. And people were panicking and freaking and raping and pillaging and all this. And then a couple of days before, everybody calmed down and tried to retrace their roots with important people from the past. And I think that's fairly predictable about what will happen. I think there'll be a freak-out effect initially, and then I think people will kind of just lay down and take their beating. Well, Mondo, you got anything else to add on to Apophis before we move over to the the red heifer? No, I think that we, uh, you know, my plan is, is as it gets closer and is not just a little dot in the sky, uh, my plan is, to, like many others, is to photograph it. Um, to show that it's, that it's absolutely real, uh, to seek to make some, my own, uh, orbital calculations on it and, and to see again where it's at and to point people to it. It's, it's one of those things where at the end of the day, you know, going back to Tom Horn's work, um, this is what he saw. And, um, you know, again, I can't bet it personally, but a man of integrity. And so in my mind, I, agree. I think that, um, if we take what he says and say, hey, this is what he saw, Wormwood is connected with Apophis, then we have some interesting times ahead, whether it's the 2029 or the 2036 time frame. I just find it interesting. And again, what what Jesus told us to do is to watch and to see all these things. And that's the goal. We're not date setters. But I find it interesting that um, you have... The, the science as well as, again, Tom's Horn's work and others, even the world as relates to the UN and the WEF. All these times are converging right around that 2030 timeframe. And so at the end of the day, you know, what, what, what we tell people is, Hey, look, uh, look around. Um, the world has changed dramatically in the last few years. And it's not getting any better. Second Timothy 3.13, evil people are going to get worse and worse. We are not going back to Mayberry. 
We're never going back to the Andy Griffith world. Uh, wickedness is increasing. Uh, globalism is increasing. Uh, you know, we're, we're right on the border of, of all being forced into a cashless system, digital system, digital IDs, passports, et cetera, payments. And so people need to, uh, get their life in order. And if they haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus, now's the time. I mean, here we are. I'm not saying that it's happening next week, but all the things that have been predicted in the Bible for a long time are here. Yeah. And it's wise. God put this out there to say, Hey, world, it's coming. I'll give you plenty of warning. But now we are in the, the past the point of no return and people and the You're time right. frames are here. You're right. It's what was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. I totally agree with you. Well, gentlemen, um, because we've got time constraints on our media, um, I'm going to suggest that we hold just for one second. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen here, uh, we're, we're actually, because of time constraints on our broadcast networks, um, we have to break this up into two parts. But uh, I want to have Mondo put a uh, cap on it here. And, Mondo, I really agree with you here. Uh, Apophis really teaches me that we're not going to escape the realities of the Bible and that God is bringing judgment and that we need to get in alignment with his word or we're going to be lost with the masses that perish and uh, won't survive the lake of fire. I mean, that's just my simplistic view of this. How do you see it? No, 100%. I, I, you know, again, the when we look at what God has put in the Word, uh, especially all the prophecies of Jesus' first coming, you know, Jesus shows up on the scene, and and he's upset with the leadership because he said, look, you guys know how to discern the sky and the weather, but you can't discern the sign of the times. And so in the same way, you know, God has made it very, very clear of what the end would be. Jesus spoke about it. And now we see all these things. It's not just one little layer. And, we're, and then the next segment, we're going to talk about the red heifer. I mean, in the third temple and all that, all these things are converging and God's saying, pay attention, get right. Couldn't agree with you more. And, and it's easy to come to Jesus and get into a Bible believing church. Absolutely positively. Doug, your final thoughts on Apophis. What do you think? Uh, it's, uh, it's going to happen one way or the other, regardless if you like it or not. And, uh, don't be standing with the goats when it happens. You know, I, I go back to my fifth grade experience and there was a song and I can't remember for the life of me how it goes. And we used to sing it in music class when the stars come falling down. Mm-hmm. And, and the first time I heard that, I went home and I asked my mom, I said, mom, is that going to happen? And she, she said, well, the flood's not going to happen again, and basically she was being biblical in her interpretation. But she said, yes, that could happen, uh, not by water, but by fire, perhaps. Uh, and and this is where my mind goes in this uh, situation. So uh, I, I'm of the opinion it's going to happen, and I believe absolutely positively, Mondo and, and Doug, that we're going to have some impact at some level. If this hits full force... Uh, this will, and I agree with Mondo, it's not going to be a full extinction event, but the Bible does talk about if Jesus doesn't return, uh, all flesh would cease to exist. And I just wonder if this is the beginning of the end that Jesus has to come back and intervene for the events that will follow. Because the question will be, will we have world war before it or will we have world war after it? Uh, I tend to think it'll be before. What do you guys think? Well, based on. Based on what we're seeing right now, all the saber rattling. I mean, we look when we look on the horizon, the Middle East is ready to implode or explode yeah, even yeah. further. We got China threatening Taiwan. We got a weak America and the current administration. I mean, what are we really going to do? I mean, we left eighty billion dollars worth of equipment in Afghanistan. I mean, it's complete incompetence from day one. So, uh, mo- and the other thing too is what we see is is many of our allies. They don't trust America anymore. They don't trust America to come to their defense. They shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. So that, that just, that opens the gates for people to, a weak America brings out the bullies. And what are we seeing in the, in the Red Sea right, right now in, in, in the Straits of Tehran? I mean, uh, Iran is having a field day that the, the Houthis are, are, are bombing our ships and we're not doing anything about it. It's crazy. So, yep. We got to hold it right here, gentlemen. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, the audience will be back with part two with Mondo and Doug and the Doug and Dave Intel Report. 
hang on, we'll be back, and we're going to try to run these back-to-back for you in successive ventures, but uh, we shall return. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.